This is Order and Chaos, the podcast that celebrates the order and chaos in all of our lives. In this episode, we address the ongoing crazy shit in the media about defunding the police. And I share a letter from a cop where he says he's done. He can't do it anymore. Should cops have a plan B, C, and D for what to do going forward in their careers? I think so. Let's talk about it. All right. And just like that, here we are. Episode three of Order and Chaos. I am Shane Norwood. I'm excited about this podcast, mostly because I get to showcase this brand new intro music produced, recorded, written the whole nine yards by my good buddy, Chad. And Chad serves the community as a reserve police officer. He's a very successful executive in the corporate world. He's a black belt in like 25 different martial arts. The dude's just an overall badass. And if that stuff that I just mentioned does not solidify the badass title, well, he was also shot in the line of duty and lived, obviously. Oh, yeah. And did you catch that? He got shot doing law enforcement work for free. So just an incredible guy that took a lot of time uh, out of the goodness of his heart to write and record this music so that I would have uh, no copyright issues and could use it both in the podcast as well as the upcoming video versions of the podcast and other video productions that I'm getting ready to release. Look for those coming in August after I moved and settled into my new place and get the set all set up the way that I like it. But the, the goal is by that time to be able to have guests on, uh, be able to interview those guests with high quality equipment and for you to be able to access the podcast, both in audio form through your podcast app or on YouTube for the video portion. So like I said, stay tuned for that. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast uh, either through Apple Podcasts. Just hit subscribe. I think on Spotify, there's a follow button. If you do that and if you rate the podcast, it, it causes the algorithm to suggest the podcast to more people. And it really helps the podcast gain more uh, recognition and get it in front of more ears. So if you would take the time to do that, I would greatly appreciate it. It would really help us out. All right. So having said that, I did want to share also that as the date that you're listening to this, so the date that this podcast is released, the podcast has been in existence for about two and a half weeks. In that period of time, it has been downloaded almost 500 times. And I don't know if that's a good number or not, but I think for a brand new podcast uh, with, you know, where you have a host with zero name recognition, zero celebrity status, to have 500 downloads in two and a half weeks is incredible. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to the podcast, for sharing the podcast with others, uh, for posting it on your own social media. I know a lot of people actually took it and posted it on uh, like law enforcement Facebook pages. So it got some, some, uh, some exposure there. And again, I'm just incredibly thankful. And I know that it's working and I know that it's getting out there because I'm receiving a lot of feedback. I've received an, a, a, a significant amount of feedback from people who were sharing their own stories of dealing with mental health issues or depression. Um, uh, I received a letter from a police officer's wife whose, um, whose husband uh, unfortunately took his own life. Um, you know, so it, it's impacting a lot of people and, and, and I'm glad to see that, that there's those that are receiving encouragement by it and are also finding courage to go out and seek the help for themselves or to encourage a loved one to seek the help that they need. So 
That's awesome. I received a letter though, specifically that I want to share. And this person gave me permission to read the letter verbatim. We just agreed to redact his name and his, his law enforcement agency and where he lives for obvious reasons. But I'm going to read this to you and tell me as either a citizen or a law enforcement officer, depending on, on who you are, if you can relate to this at all. All right, Shane, first of all, thank you for being so brave and bold to tell your difficult story. If more current and former officers shared their own stories of suffering, I know it would help empower others to reach out for the help they desperately need. After listening to Hold the Line, which let me stop real quick. What he's referring to is episode two of this podcast. Uh, It's entitled Hold the Line. If you haven't heard it yet, it's like a sub four minute, kind of like a tribute, but also a call to action for law enforcement and their supporters to hold the line in the face of these unprecedented adversities that we're all facing in our society, but especially the cops that are being attacked left and right. So that's what he's referring to. After listening to hold the line, I was initially encouraged, but then I was bombarded with recent experiences I have had in the course of my duties as a law enforcement officer in blank town, USA. Tonight, I'm home on my couch. My wife has been in bed for two hours. I don't want to be selfish and wake her, but I need to talk to someone. So I'm reaching out to you. I can't do it anymore. Tonight, I decided after 14 years on the job in an area I thought I would raise my children in, retire in, and die in, that I need to take my family elsewhere. Tonight, I came home and found a plastic pig partially burned in my driveway. Two nights ago, I got back in my patrol car after dealing with a domestic to a frantic voicemail and text from my wife. She and my two and five-year-old daughters were walking back from the mailbox when she saw a vehicle drive slowly down the street and stop outside of our house. Fearing that they were lying in wait, my wife quickly and calmly thought to walk across the street with the kids, one of which was in a stroller, and walk to a neighbor's house. Who knows what might have happened if she decided to walk home or if she had not been so aware of her surroundings. Today, I walked into a shop I had been in countless times before to buy a bottle of water and a protein bar. I was told by a young clerk who seemed as if he didn't agree with what he was about to say that management states they will not serve law enforcement in uniform any longer and asked that any law enforcement officers in uniform remain outside the store. He goes on to say, is this really where we're at? Is this really how people feel? Does everyone feel this way? When I heard hold the line, I wanted to be encouraged, but it just made me angry. Hold the line for who? For what? I would once once gladly give myself for the service of my community. Now, I no longer feel part of that community. How can I hold the line for a community who does not even count me as worthy to be a member of the community? I would be interested to hear your thoughts. Stay strong and be good to yourself. And he signs his name. I think he asked some very valid and applicable questions. These are legitimate concerns that our law enforcement officers have. They are legitimate concerns that law enforcement supporters have. In fact, I'll take it a step farther. I think these are legitimate concerns that this entity that we like to call the silent majority probably all believe. 
I don't like the term silent majority. I prefer to be a little bit more gruff about it and call them the passive majority. Because what you're looking at on the other side is a very aggravated, outspoken, what we perceive to be minority, but they're being amplified by the news media. Then you have this other side of people where you have your general common sense people who say, you know what? Yeah, there's some bad cops. You know what? There's also some faulty planes, but there's 44,000 planes that fly across the nation every single day. And the vast majority don't crash. The vast majority of cops don't kill innocent people, unarmed people. They're not evil. They're out there just doing the best job that they can. And we need them. This is what the majority of people believe in this country. However, I call them the passive majority because a lot of these people just want to stand on the sidelines. Meanwhile, you have stories like this officer who has to worry about his family when he goes to work. I mean, can you imagine being at work? I don't know if he works near his house or, you know, he didn't go into detail about that. But, but imagine just being at work. You're out there trying to serve the community. You're putting your life at risk every single day. And now you have to worry if your family is going to be safe while you're away. So you have all these burdens that come with the job to begin with. And now we're adding on all this extra. I'm at work. I'm, I'm, I have to worry about my own safety. And then I'm, I'm helpless to protect my family. While I'm out here protecting other people who seemingly do not appreciate me and want to see me defunded or see my department dismantled. I mean, man, it's not, it's not good for the mental health of our, of our officers. It's it, and, and, and too many people just stand idly by or they post little cute things on Facebook. I support my police. That's wonderful. We're so glad that you do, but it takes more than that. I, I just saw before I came on the air today, I just saw this, this press release by the sheriff of Los Angeles County. You know, it, it gets to a point to where you just don't even want to look at the news anymore because it all seems like satire. It just all seems awfully ridiculous. Like this cannot be real. I'm going to read to you a little bit of this press release from the sheriff, specifically where the CEO of LA County, I didn't realize they had a CEO, but the CEO of the county is fully on board, according to Sheriff Villanueva, fully on board with the defund the police movement. And I have to assume that Sheriff Villanueva is correct in his assessment when I read the things or the entities or the and areas of the sheriff's department that the CEO is recommending be eliminated. All right. Here's a list of proposed budget recommendations that would eliminate the following areas of the sheriff's department. Okay. For number one, safe streets bureau. In other words, gang enforcement. Now that would make sense, right? There's not a gang problem in Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, if, if I'm going to sit down in a room with some really intelligent people and we're going to, we're going to defund the police department. Well, the first thing that I would want to do is definitely defund the gang unit because we haven't had a gang problem in Los Angeles for, Oh, oh, that's right. That's one of the worst areas in the country for gang violence. 
But let's let's define that. We definitely want to get rid of the gang enforcement unit, for sure. Okay. Um, this next one I find just kind of equally ridiculous. Parks Bureau. Now, I don't know if this is so that Antifa can come to the local parks in Los Angeles County and freely tear down any statue that they want to tear down without having to worry about some pesky deputy coming by and arresting them for vandalism. I, I don't know if that's what this is all about, but it's just very interesting that the Parks Bureau is to be eliminated. Okay. Now, this one here, when I say it, should have a, you should gasp when you hear what I'm about to tell you. The, the CEO of LA County wants to eliminate this unit. Are you ready? Special Victims Bureau. All right. What is Special Victims Bureau? They are responsible for investigating sexual and physical abuse of children, rape, and human trafficking. I'm going to let that one sink in just a little bit. Now, I, I went back and I looked because I thought, I, surely I have, I, I, the, the, I, got the, I got the sheriff's words wrong here. Surely this said uh, that the following LASD units will be enhanced. Right. We, we want to, We would want to enhance the gang unit, the, the Parks Bureau. Uh, we definitely want to enhance the Special Victims Bureau. I mean, they're dealing with. Kids that are getting molested. The most vulnerable of our population, we definitely want to enhance that unit. Right. Oh, no, wait. No, I'm, I'm reading it again. It definitely says eliminated. It definitely says that the CEO wants to see these eliminated from the sheriff's department. Now, I'm sure that they have some political BS alternative to this, but as a former sex crimes investigator, I'm, I'm just completely shocked. I, I can't find the right word, but just how disgusted I am by this. Wasn't human trafficking a huge political issue just a few months ago? I mean, there's posters all over the place about it. You, you, you drive, go through the drive-through and you can see like, if you suspect human trafficking, contact this number. I mean, what now all of a sudden it's worthy of being eliminated? Is it is so now that the, the polarizing issue is police shooting unarmed people, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, whatever, whatever it is that the flavor of the day for the media to take and amplify and consume and spew to all of us. Where is the outrage? Now, I, this is relatively new, this press release. So I'm hoping that we will see some outrage from our local media here in the Los Angeles area that will say, this is absolutely asinine. Is this true? Do they really want to eliminate these programs? But I'm not done yet. How about this one? They also recommend eliminating Community Partnership Bureau, the COPS team. Now, that sounds to me, I don't know exactly what that is, but, but if, it's from, if it's the same as similar COPS projects and other agencies, COPS stands for Community Oriented Policing and Problem Solving. I guess I could see why we would eliminate a COPS program from a sheriff's department. I mean, police relations with the public are at an all-time high. Morale couldn't be better. The, the, the views of, of the public towards law enforcement couldn't, has never been better, Right. Why do we need a cops project anymore? We've already accomplished that. Things are just peachy between the public and, the, and law enforcement, right? 
Here's another one that, that's, that's just equally flabbergasting. Is that a word? Fraud and Cyber Crimes Bureau. But that's because we've eliminated fraud, right? There, nobody commits fraud anymore. And cyber crimes, I mean, who, honestly, who owns a computer these days? No one owns a computer these days. I mean, no one's going to be a victim of cyber crime. Gosh, I totally understand why you'd eliminate that. Such a waste of money. I can't believe it hasn't been eliminated a long time ago. Here's, here's, a, here's one that's, that's so bad that it's comical, but not funny at all. And it's the Major Crimes Bureau. Okay, now I'm assuming it's the same at the Sheriff's Department as it is for any other law enforcement agency that I've ever been a part of or ever worked with. That the Major Crimes Bureau investigates major crimes such as murder, uh, home invasion robberies, armed robberies, major crimes. Yet we want to eliminate that unit. Why? I, 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 I mean, I guess, right. It's, it's LA County. They don't have a problem with major crimes in LA County. Right. So I, I, okay. I'm just trying to be reasonable here. I'm trying to understand that these people are much smarter than you and I remember this, these people in, in, in government, they've got this all figured out. So we just need to just chillax and let these people handle their shit because they know way better than we do. Right. I mean, obviously there is no need for a major crimes bureau in a sheriff's department, especially not in LA County. Come on. Okay. Here's another one. And this one, man, this, this has political bullshit written all over it. It is custody operations. So I'm sorry. These are ones that, that the CEO recommends drastically reducing. So we don't want to eliminate custody altogether because that would be ridiculous, but let's greatly reduce custody operations. Now, why do you think they'd want to reduce custody operations? Well, I can tell you that the goal, especially here in the state of California, is to empty out the jails. That is the goal. They experimented with it and they used COVID-19 as an excuse with this zero bail thing, right? There was a guy in Ventura County and there was an article in the paper about this guy who stole seven different cars so he'd get arrested for stealing a car. You go to jail. They'd release him right away because they weren't allowed to keep him. And there's, there's zero bail, right? So he's released from jail. He goes out back to the community that he just got arrested out of, steals another car, gets on a pursuit. They arrest him again, take him to jail. He gets released seven times. This happened. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. Now, this one, this one, <laughs> um, they're all asinine to me. All of them are, are equally asinine. But this one, how many, before I even mention the last one, in my experience as a police officer, and I'm sure a lot of other officers out there, the, a, a large number, a significant number of people that we ended up having to use force on in order to affect an arrest or to protect the public or what have you, a lot of these people suffered from mental health issues as well, right? So they committed a crime, they might be on drugs and they suffer from mental health issues. So it would make sense if I'm the CEO of Los Angeles County that I definitely want to drastically reduce the mental health evaluation teams within the sheriff's department. Definitely don't want deputies that are highly trained in dealing with mental health evaluation. And we definitely don't want deputies trained in de-escalation, how to recognize 
a mental health episode. Definitely don't want that. So it makes perfect sense that we would eliminate or that we would drastically reduce the mental health evaluation team. These are things that you just cannot make up. And let me tell you something, officer, deputy. They're coming to a town near you. California tends to start things and then the shitstorm from California just rolls east. And for some reason, the asinine things that, that happen out here get duplicated and replicated in other agencies, in other, in other parts of the country, I should say. You know, you have people like Mike the Cop that have resigned. Very, very famous on Instagram, social media. He's resigned from law enforcement. He's done. You've got people in Atlanta walking off the job. You've got people in agencies all over this country up and leaving. And so what I'm saying is today, in this moment, if you don't have a plan B, an exit strategy to get out of law enforcement, that needs to be your top priority beginning right now. If you're out there working overtime to buy a boat, to buy a new truck, put that on pause. And work that overtime to build a nest egg. Even, even if you already have one, make it bigger. Start exploring other career options, trade schools, getting a, a, a degree in a different field. Maybe revisiting some skills that you had from prior employment. Exploring a passion or an interest that you've, all, that you've had for, you know, uh, whether it be lifelong or something that you newly developed that you would might like to see work into a, a career, whether it be self-employed or working for someone else, start thinking about that right now, because this is coming to you. Maybe it's not as drastic as what's going on in LA County, but I would argue that there's things going on in other parts of the country that are much more drastic than even what's going on in LA County. The ridiculousness has no, no limits. And right now you may feel real, relatively safe in your community. Your, your, your community may back you, but all it takes is one incident. I don't think Minneapolis city council was ever considering disbanding their police department until the George Floyd incident happened. And I've, I've had cops tell me, well, I don't plan on getting into a bad use of force. Well, that's great. Until a 100% completely justifiable use of force today is not tomorrow. Departments are eliminating use of force options and making some, you know, considering them deadly force like the chokehold, the carotid restraint. Many agencies are doing away with that altogether. And if you talk to anybody who is a martial arts practitioner, especially like in jujitsu, they'll tell you. The, the choke is one of the most humane things you can do to a person. You choke someone out, by the time they wake up, and they will wake up in a few seconds, they're handcuffed, they're under control, sufficient backup has arrived, they're in the back of a car, and the only thing that got hurt was their pride. So what are we, what are we asking officers to do to resort to other measures? So if I'm 120 pounds and I'm fighting a guy that's 280 pounds, what are my options, oh wise CEO of Los Angeles County? 
what am I allowed to do as a 120 pound cop against a 280 pound person? The, the political influence behind this is so disgusting that people that want to stay in power are pandering to whatever groups they can in order to secure votes. And what's scarier about that is, is that pandering is working. We don't know what's going to happen in the November election, but it's going to be very telling. And let me say this without getting too political. Depending on what happens in the November election, you as a law enforcement officer could be in a much different place than you are today. And so I I don't want to prolong this out and just be a rant, but it needs to sink in. You need to have a exit strategy, a viable, executable exit strategy. And that needs to happen ASAP. The last thing I'll mention is this is especially true as it relates to the loss of qualified immunity. We see it in Colorado. And it goes back to what I was saying. With the loss of qualified immunity, a use of force that would have been perfectly acceptable today may not be in a week, in a month, in a year. In a lot of agencies, under the pressure of the media and certain groups, they are going back into the archives of of use of force incidents and reevaluating them. So you could have been exonerated two years ago, perfectly acceptable use of force, but based on the current optics where they're looking at all these situations through a lens of radicalism and quote, social justice, then that very reasonable use of force you had two years ago may not be viewed that way today. Is that worth losing everything that you have? Is it worth it? Is it worth losing your freedom? Now, I'm the first one to say, if you can stand fast and hold that line, you do it. But the minute that your freedom or the stability and well-being of your family is in question or in jeopardy, and you don't leave, you don't walk away, you don't execute that plan to get out, then you're just as equally responsible for for their demise. And that's what you just need to realize. You know, this sucks. You work your ass off to get into this job. Law enforcement is one of the most difficult professions to get into. And we all think about that. You know, you go through this extensive background process. You go through an academy, field training. It's, it's incredibly stressful and only the best make it through. I'm just saying, it's time. Formulate an exit strategy and be ready to execute at a moment's notice because the chances of you needing it are greater now than they've ever been. I'm going to end on this note. I want to reach out and plea to small business owners and, and people that are in possession in positions of, of corporate hiring power. This is the time that your corporation and your business needs to get behind cops. I'm going to tell you right now that there's people out there that are sick and tired of having to choose where they're going to shop because of the things that they represent. There are companies that have made what I feel is a grave error in siding with this defund the police movement. There's going to be a lot of cops out there that are going to need to get out. And for you as a small business owner, for you in a corporate hiring situation, if you have any influence over the, the direction and the stance that your company takes, 
as it relates to supporting the police, I highly advise you to not be part of the passive majority, but to be vocal and say, and maybe put up a sign, cops, you need a job? We're hiring. We support our police. Police officer on patrol, you're welcome in my business anytime. That's what we need to see right now. No more being passive. The other side has zero problem being loud and aggressive and obnoxious and violent. And I'm not saying that we resort to violence. What I'm saying is you need to open your mouth. And if you're going to back the blue, if you're going to support the police, then you need to be very vocal about it in your advertising, in your marketing, and in your hiring practices. There's going to be a lot of cops out there that are going to need work. And if you're open and willing to accept these officers into your workforce, make that known. I'm going to leave it at that. Once again, I thank all of you for hanging in there, for being supportive of this podcast. I hope you got something out of this. Cops, take, you know, the, 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 the takeaway from this is you've got to be prepared. You got to be prepared to go now. Mission ready. Except this time the mission is getting the F out of Dodge. And, you know, that looks different for everybody. So if you have a hobby, if you have a passion, if there's something else you've thought about doing, now's the time to seriously explore that so that you can put things into place in order to be able to execute in a moment's notice when the time has come for you to go. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode three of Order and Chaos. Episode four will be out in the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned for more details about the video podcast and other video projects I have in the works as well. I appreciate you all. Be safe and we'll catch you next time.